Welcome to the official Jack Viney hype podcast of 2020. Uh, I'm only kidding. It's Who's On Him, the official podcast of the Quadruple AFL. My name is Dylan Evans, and I am joined by my regular co host, Josh Ryan JR. How are you? Good, mate. Just watching uh, Noah Bolter line up for his eighth goal in the first half of his <laughs> practice match. <laughs> Top 100 written oh, all over him. 100%. Yeah, oh, he's just sent that one wide. So no, but uh, yeah, no, good mate, good to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, we do have a great backdrop of the first practice match of 2024 that is guiding our morning, our lovely morning in regional South Australia, and we are also joined by what's becoming a semi-regular co-host, Lockie Norman. How are you? Yeah, very good. Yeah, we've got uh, the flight was on time this morning to, to Mount Barker, <laughs> and uh, so we got in on the red eye. Now, uh, yeah, watching the, the Noah Bolter, Jack Viney show here. And, and, and of course, uh, Gorney spending a lot of time up forward as well. Um, Norman, how much are you talking yourself into Max Gorn as the game goes on? Well, I think uh, I'm talking myself out of Max Gorn. But I feel like a lot of people uh, are going to have eyes on this game. And I think uh, he could be uh, someone who goes a little bit higher than we thought early. My eyes are firmly drawn to Jack Viney. There was a few times there where uh, I thought that he may be uh, not a revolving door this year, but whether it's through trade, through whatever, drafting him immediately, he could be a revolving door. He looks fit. JR, agree? Yeah, no, I do agree, Jack. Uh, he looks very good. And uh, someone who doesn't look very good, particularly in that passage of play we've just seen, is Samson Ryan. So that's bad <laughs> news for Grady Hudd. Um, well, maybe good news for Grady Hudd because uh, he might not want to ride that roller coaster again. <laughs> Uh, Norman, talk to me about your week. What's been happening? Are you in full fantasy preparation mode? We were only, what, a week and a half? No, just under two weeks, sorry, away from draft day. Um, how much would you say uh, fantasy has dominated your time, both uh, professionally and unprofessionally? <laughs> well, I do consider myself a, a professional fantasy player, so it's one and the same. But I did send a screenshot to you. Uh, I haven't told you this, JR, but it's uh, of my screen time from my iPhone <laughs> and Excel. <laughs> for the first time ever. For the first time ever. Uh, I think nearly nearly an hour and 10 minutes for the week just looking at Excel, which uh, is something new. So fantasy prep- preparation in full swing. JR, how's your preparation going? Yeah, look, better than the last couple of years uh, when I've done no preparation, which is really <laughs> reflected on my uh, draft performance. But uh, yeah, I spent yeah, a good couple of hours last night uh, yeah, just going through uh, all the uh, permutations that could present themselves. So yeah, I feel pretty well placed. Well, you did have the number one pick in the draft and, uh, well, congratulations to you, by the way, for winning that and Yannick Sinner for uh, bringing the home for you. But within a week, it was gone. Talk me through that. Uh, look, got a good deal. So I got rid of it. That was... Uh, simple as that. That was simple. Yeah, simple as that. Wow. So, I mean, I feel like anywhere in that kind of upper echelon of the draft, I was I was pretty happy. So, you know, I was more just, you know, really following the Australian Open for, for Yannick and, and his <laughs> happiness. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was good to just, yeah, acquire some more uh, more capital. and yeah. Your um your mantra of, I got a good deal, so I took it, is uh, exactly <laughs> what we are going to be focusing on when we talk about pick swapping and some cowards that are associated with that. Um, because I just feel like, it's not a big deal to pick swap, but we have a few people that are quite hesitant to do so. Spineless, um, I'd say. Spineless, yeah. yeah. Spineless is the word. And, so we'll talk about that after. And, and I would probably describe their strategy as, I got a good deal, something must be wrong with it. <laughs> 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 is pick 40 injured? <laughs> uh, fantastic. We're going to get straight into it today. We are going to get stuck into get him off. Fucking get him off. Yeah. Um, get Minson off. He's coming off. Man, get, get him, him back off. off. Get him off. Get him get off. Get him off. 
Rocket, rocket, we can't hear. Taken by surprise here because I just saw that uh, <laughs> Richmond were on uh, 66 to Melbourne 34 and Melbourne kicked the first five goals of the game, meaning, JR, that Richmond had kicked 10 in a row. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's more concerning for Richmond or more, I guess, uh, positive for... Uh, sorry, more concerning for Melbourne or more positive for Richmond? Well, I think it... You know, all I'm seeing here is it's time to uh, smash the uh, the panic button or the the Clary button um, <laughs> and get him out there because they are really struggling at the moment. I Clary, like sorry, I feel like it's uh, it's been off the back of uh, Sam Naismith going into the right here. So, <laughs> thanks, Stocks, in real trouble. I would have thought. <laughs> oh, Jack Whitey yeah, out the middle again. Oh <laughs> no! Um, all right. Let's get stuck into it. We have Get Him Offs for this week, as per usual. We are going to start with Lachlan Norman. Uh, Lockie, what's caught your eye this week? Oh, look, Dylan, so as you know, last night we travelled to the Garden of Unearthly Delights mm. there in Adelaide. Uh, and we had, myself and Lily, uh, some free tickets to a show via her work. Um, this show called Cirque Alphonse. Um, <laughs> that sounds very funny. Yeah, I, I want to talk to you about Cirque Alphonse. Circa Alphonse, I don't know. It's some French bullshit. <laughs> um, so, if, you know, a free ticket, you sort of go, all right, well, yeah, it's a free ticket. So you go along and have a look. So what this was is some sort of acrobatic circus performance uh, for a French travelling troupe. Um, <laughs> and we've gone in there with uh, in, the, in the round top uh, venue there at the garden. And uh, we had a couple of uh, Lily's work uh, colleagues as well. And sit down sort of, not really knowing what to expect. I wasn't sure if it was, it was comedy or there, there was some sort of story to it. I wasn't really sure. Um, so it's, it's, it's based around the premise of uh, a farm. Uh, the, show is called, the, the particular show is called Animal. And um, it, it's these people doing very sort of uh, death-defying stunts. Now, the tickets themselves, not free, cost $70. $70, right? Oof. And... You'd expect the $70 if you're going there that your your artists, your performers uh, are good at what they do, right? <laughs> Which you would not expect this. <laughs> okay. I would almost expect a trip to France. You <laughs> nearly would, right? So what they're doing, uh, they're doing, you know, of course, balancing acts, things like that. Now, how many shots do you think you get in a live performance to get it right? One. Well, yeah, I would have thought one. <laughs> you, you, you'd hope that by that stage just shows refined enough that you, you know, don't make mistakes. <laughs> you would think. So... I'm, I'm not joking. This is constant throughout the show where it was like, all right, first go. Ah, I didn't quite get it. And the crowd goes, oh. All right, second go. Oops. Oh, no, still didn't get it. And third try. And then the crowd applauds. And I'm kind of sitting there going, that's three shots. You had three goes. This is not impressive. Um, yeah. So one of my favourite <laughs> favorite moments, you know, highlights, lowlights. I don't know what you describe this as from, from this show. Because obviously it's a farm theme animal, they had uh, buckets of um, like chicken feed, and so there's the two two girls, and they were doing. You had to th- throw it at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I wish I wish I had the opportunity. So they they've got the the buckets, and they're yeah three quarters full with with the chicken feed, and the idea of being that they're going to um, yeah spin them around, swing them, kind of like you know ribbon gymnastics, uh, without spilling any of the the chicken feed. You can see where this is going, right? So <laughs> they're spinning around this. One girl admittedly was quite good at it. The other girl is like, this chicken feed is going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see on her face, she's kind of like, I know this is bad. And I'm sitting there just like, I'm not impressed by this. It's all on the floor. <laughs> $70. Right. So I got this for free and I still want a refund. Suck <laughs> <laughs> our bonds. Get off. <laughs> um, I might save mine because. 
I was initially going to actually piggyback. I might just build off slightly. Norman, we did meet up last night in the Garden of Unearthly Delights, and I was going to do my get him off of that, but I think it's too obvious. But just as a little side get him off, the Garden of Unearthly Delights is stale. It's old. It's um, We're at the stage now where I don't want to line up for two hours to go and see, you know, I don't know. Cirque Alphonse. Or like, you know, oh, that's Husey over there. He looks unhappy to be here. Like, like the novelty's worn off. <laughs> and I also especially don't want to pay $56 for a round of drinks uh, at the Garden of an Earthly Delight. So that's my partial get him off, but I've got another one after. So JR, I'm going to throw to you. What's yours? Yeah, my, my get him off is, you know, going back probably, you know, better part of three, four weeks now mm. um, to the Australian Open and, and what a time, by the way. Yeah, what a time and, you know, a joyous time. I think you said it best yourself. You said, uh, for two weeks of the year, tennis is the greatest sport oh, on earth. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you wouldn't rather be doing anything else at 2 a.m., would you? It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's the time for tennis and, you know, it's the time for joy and, mm. you know, everyone's happy. Mm. You know, the happy slam. Mm. Um, but uh, I've gone after, I'm going after a specific group of people that uh, don't uh, particularly regard it as their happy slam. Well, a region. <laughs> a, re- a region. I'm going after a particular region. Um, and these people don't find it the happy slam. In fact, they're probably more miserable at this time of year than any other. And that is the region of Scandinavia. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, my, my rationale behind it is, you know, Scandinavia, universally regarded, great place to live. Mm. You, know, you know, GDP, very high. They've got a good, um, you know. Generally, you said it best, actually, Dylan. Um, you know, generally quite good-looking people, mm. um, tall, attractive, tall, yeah. attractive. You know, plenty of money. Mm. You know, nice place to live. Uh, they've recently instituted the four-day work week, I believe. Oh. Which, you know, what a dream. Yeah, yeah, mm. and really no reason to be miserable. But yeah, every time you hear, you know, someone from Scandinavia speak, <laughs> it's it's you know a boring sort of drawl to the way they talk. It's you know they they sound like they would rather be anywhere else, living anywhere else, doing anything else. It's, yeah, the people of Scandinavia need to just perk up a little bit. Uh, I completely agree. As a uh, Holger Rune holder um, who uh, just was dismissed in the second round by some unknown qualifier, who actually, I think, had a all right tournament. Yeah, he there. did, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, he was a little baby. He <laughs> complained about everything. And then I watched a Breakpoint documentary and I found out that he, so he hired Boris Becker as his coach. He sacked Boris Becker as his coach, got a new coach in, sacked that coach, went back to Boris Becker, and then after the Australian Open has now sacked Boris Becker again, <laughs> as if it's his coach's fault. So, yeah, there's something there's something not wide right with that. Well, at least my guy. Yeah, no, so I, I think, you know, I, I would like to see some more happiness from the, the Scandinavians, whether that be in, in tennis or, or any other sport. I went to Ikea yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to say, for the most part, they seem pretty happy there, working there. They had the big... H-E-J on the back of their shirts and they seem quite friendly and, you know, it's much to help. So maybe it's like... So maybe Sweden's okay. Well, I was going to say Scandinavian athletes maybe. Yeah, maybe that's a... And that's probably probably a safer (laughs) safer generalisation. Yeah, so maybe maybe Scandinavian athletes. We just need to see a little bit more happiness, a Mm. bit of, you know, appreciation for for how good you've got it. Um, Jay, just really quickly, who's your favourite Scandinavian athlete ever? Probably Kimi Raikkonen, mm. who who was not happy. No, he, he, he was, was <laughs> but he was <laughs> so he was really so blunt. And, my whole argument, but he was so blunt, but owned it as well. That's the yeah. difference. Like, yeah, I yeah. feel like yeah, there was no bullshit. Whereas I feel like 
at least with Scandinavian tennis players, there was a lot of bullshit. Mm. So yeah, fair yeah. enough. Would you would you say though, tennis players generally lean that way? They do. Yeah, very individualistic. Very all about me. Yeah. Mm. No, and, and yeah, no. There was there was some fine demonstrations of you know individualism <laughs> um, sort of on show during the Australian Open. You know, some tantrums and some racket smashing and. Yeah, the I mean, greatest sport on earth. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really talk. I was banned from playing golf at the age of eleven <laughs> for, for throwing clubs. So, um, oh, mad dog, JR. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, Scandinavia. Let's just perk it up a little bit. You've All got right. a pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah, no, fair. Mine's going to be a really quick one today um, because it's been discussed in the group ad nauseum. Um, we are in a, what we already know is quite a deep fantasy league. We're now up to 18 teams, 20 players per team. That's 360 players, if I have my maths correct. Um, So we need to know, and we need to be across everything. And at the moment, as everyone's in fantasy preparation season, we're getting these tweets from the so-called experts who are starting their draft leagues. And uh, there was one that, um, yeah, sort of caught my eye this morning. And he's like, all right, everybody, I've got pick seven in a (laughs) 10-team 15 player uh, league who should I take with my pick 7 captain and then I'll follow these tweets as we go along and he's asking oh who should I take pick 120 should I get oh sorry who should I take with my 7th uh, pick should it be Tim Kelly or should it be you know <laughs> like I don't know Jaden Short or someone like that I was like oh must be fucking nice yeah um all I'm going to say, if you're going to call yourself an expert or be in the fantasy realm as somebody who you would give advice on fantasy can you please have a deeper league than that well, I've just got... Uh, I think you might be talking about the potato bake can. Oh, I think so. I think that could be it. <laughs> so let's have a look at his midfield here. This is, I mean, I, I don't know how he's across all of these players, but <laughs> Rosie, Oliver, Doherty, Neil, Josh Kelly, Ollie Wines, Tim Kelly. So every single one of those averaging 90 plus. You, 90 get, plus. you would have maximum two of them in your team. Yeah. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we're, you know, we're talking guys that... You would kill for here, <laughs> honestly. And this is pick pick what pick one forty five, and he's got this, a team looking like that. Come on, mate! If you've never had to field Rhett Bazo to fill a hole, then <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear. Well, and these are examples that we've sort of you know talked about in the group, but you know a, a fantasy you know semi final. I think it was hanging on whether Jasper Fletcher is subbed <laughs> or not <laughs> in the last quarter of the Sunday game. I mean that that's real. What true will Matthew right Johnson there. do? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Like it's. Like that's you know that example we've just seen isn't fancy. That's that's an abomination. Well, that's child's play. That yeah, is child's yeah. play. Yeah. Well, I hope that uh, in general the fantasy community lifts their game, and perhaps we could be as our sponsors are the gold standard of the fantasy league, just like Haribo Bears are the gold standard oh, of confectioning. Yeah, mm-hmm. we might have a few in there a little bit later as well. Um, boys, thank you for your get them off. We're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly. I think before we get into the formalities of the podcast, we need to take a moment. And we did have a, um, a nice celebration in the group chat earlier this week with some uh, montages and so on. Um, but we have um, some sad news to share with the wider listening audience. And we know there are three or four of you. Um, that, uh, we have lost a Quadruple AFL member this week. Um, he's not dead. He's just decided to uh, not play, uh, at least this year. There is opportunity for him to come back, depending how things go. Um, and that is Alex, um, a member of the, the league for three years now, two, three years? Two or three, yeah, good question. Must yeah. be two. Uh, a good friend of yours from um, way back when, and uh, look, 
I'm quite sad to see him go. We do understand that he's a busy man with busy responsibilities, but I thought we'd just take a moment to share our favourite Alex uh, memories. So um, I might go to Lockie. You can kick us off. Um, let's just share a, a nice moment that we've had in the Quadruple AFL group with Alex. We, we come to know that he was a fantasy, um, not a fanatic, but was certainly into it. He was, uh, I think he was a, quite a highly ranked uh, super coach mm. player at one point um, in his youth, which was a long time ago, obviously. Um, <laughs> But uh, my favourite, I think this would be a, one of the all-time fantasy AAAFL uh, memories was uh, <laughs> early on last year when um, I was beaten by Alex. Uh, certainly I was about to be beaten uh, on a Sunday evening and uh, I get a knock on the door um, and I've just you know, just finished making dinner. I knock on the door and there's um, a gentleman holding a big uh, big uh, heater bag and uh, he goes a pizza for Lachlan I'm kind of like what, what is going on here uh, and uh, then yeah, I'm just going okay take this pizza and then of course I go back to the group chat just looking at Lily like what the hell is happening here and I see that Alex has, uh, has <laughs> sent me this spicy pizza from the Mexicano uh, which was, the, which was the, like I guess the gag was that you've been Mexicanoed <laughs> So this thing, yeah, the chili flakes are sitting on on top there. Uh, it's got jalapenos, the, the, the capskin, red and green capskin, and uh, I did eat it. <laughs> it's a but uh, that's probably my favourite memory. And then um, I think Alex then went into presenting fruit bowls, <laughs> virtual fruit bowl. Uh, but yeah, good content from the man. When he realised, I think that he was actually semi-successful last year. This is going to cost him at least you know twenty bucks a pop each time. I think he thought, all right, I might, may need to do something else here. Yeah, and, and I mean, I was really disappointed. I probably played him, yeah, maybe a month or so after after you, and he had me pretty, mm. you know, comfortably covered that weekend. And I was looking forward to Sunday so much so that I didn't plan dinner at all. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I actually uh, told my lovely girlfriend Tali that oh, we don't have to worry about dinner because it's like there'll be there'll be a pizza coming. So I hope you like Mexicano pizza. Yeah, and it sort of it got to you know we've we've sort of you know, gritted our teeth and got through the, the late Sunday game out of Perth and got to about 8pm and still no pizza. And I, I was just thinking, oh shit, oh. going to go hungry tonight. <laughs> Your Mac is run. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think my favourite Alex memory was from last year actually where he, against the Wads, went on a 7-0 uh, run and there was a, a big talk in the chat of champions that should it exist um, that... Uh, oh, exist. Wish it did. Well, wish it did. That, uh, wow, Alex might be joining this. <laughs> because he was, on a, he was on a roll on the back of just selecting Tim English. But my favourite part about that 7-0 run was at not one stage did he um, decide the VC loophole. He just <laughs> straight up went English as captain C and won every single time. So... There was a lot of um, friction in the group of, oh, Alex doesn't even care. Alex, you know, is not VC loopholing, but he was also winning. So nobody could say yeah. a, a single thing about it. So just a pure arrogance of the man uh, to, to do that, but to also back it up, I, I found quite impressive. Yeah, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned that. And, and, you know, I'm sure that was a real time saver for him not having to worry about the loophole um, strategy. But you did come back to bite him uh, when he did make the finals. <laughs> And, and he got to a semi-final against uh, you know quite quite lucky uh, kind of operator in Michael Johnson, mm. and yeah didn't what did he, he didn't set a captain at all or he, uh, set... he set the captain but he fielded a zero uh, <laughs> on the field which was Will Setterfield I believe and mm. just didn't check it all weekend yeah okay <laughs> you so... think out of all the weekends you'd check that one yeah but... I feel like the semi-final was yeah. the one I would have really committed time to so I mean that was you know that was probably my favourite memory was yeah seeing him let a semi-final go uh, go down the drain. 
And I think one of the other, just on the, the vein of those two as well, was uh, when he did remember to set it, it was Adam Trelaw and Tim English in the same game. <laughs> 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 I forgot about that. <laughs> so we'll miss that commitment to fans, I guess. <laughs> Uh, no, full credit to him because uh, I was saying in the private chats that it takes a bit of integrity to know when you don't have any new and to step aside mm. to let a newcomer in. So, um, first of all, thank you, Alex, for the memories. Hopefully, we'll see you again very shortly. Yeah, should, should he ever kind of you know, decide to come back into the fold, um, you know, with his years of service, is he straight back in the ones? Or yeah, is he through a, a, we, you know, we, a reserves progression? No, we have spoken about this. I have guaranteed him. He's got to go in the handbook, so... Uh, very dictated move, but um, should expansion happen to 20 teams, which is whew, far out, or should anyone drop out, Alex is the first person invited back yep. if he wants to and so on. So, um, yeah, always welcome. Uh, always welcome at the social events as well, Alex. Um, we are making way for a new member who is not too unfamiliar to the group. He is a, a good friend of mine from uh, and Brent as well from high school days. Uh, Glenn McFarlane, welcome aboard. Um we both uh, have experiences with him, Lockie, in uh, the uh, league that not a lot of other people know about because <laughs> we did it one year as a side, I guess, draft experience before the real draft and kind of sort of took legs and became a keeper league from there. Um, what are you excited about with uh, Glenn coming on board? Uh, just on that keeper league, I love that it's been going for about, what, three years yeah. as a keeper league and we've never, never kept, kept it. <laughs> <laughs> we kept year. one player this year and everyone was dirty about it. <laughs> But, uh, no, I think, uh, you know, speaking to Glenn, very keen on fantasy. Um, he's engaging um, me and you uh, for mm. a little bit of AFL member, uh, mentorship, mm. um, which you, de- you need, given the, the depth of our league. But, I can only um, say, he came to the right people as well, just a couple of, well, the, the two last premiers yeah, that we have, yeah. That's a, that's a yeah, fountain of uh, the knowledge there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I'm, I'm enjoying, you know, what I'm seeing from Glenn. I think he's going to be a great addition to the league. Yeah, absolutely. Well, welcome, Glenn. Farewell, Alex. Um, we will uh, obviously touch base with how Glenn's going throughout the course of the year. But I want to turn my attention to something else, boys. Um, one of the, well, I guess, the unique things about our league, one of my favourite things about our league is uh, the ability to pick swap. Um, and mm. I think uh, I speak for both of you when I say that we're all avid, well, avid, sorry, uh, pick swappers in the group. And, you know, we, we see benefit, we see strategy, we see planning in that. Um, we know when players are going to come. And there are, by my estimates, uh, at least another seven others on top of us that also see that value of uh, pick swapping. Mm. But if I pull up the quadruple AFL spreadsheet right now, I can still see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people still in cowardly yellow on, yes, eight people still in cowardly yellow. Now, I think I gave the pick swap deadline uh, Wednesday next week, so they've got about a week and a half from this point onwards to get that cowardly yellow off them for the 2024 season. But those people, for those playing at home, are Regan Mastrandolo. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get the Stasi thing in. Like, yeah, yeah, dub it over. Uh, Dean, Doug, Jono, Prez, Schmidt. Glenn, we're going to give a pass, so let's maybe take him out because he's relatively... Well, he has a trade embargo. Well, he does tomorrow, until tomorrow. So. Well, until Monday night. We're recording this on a Sunday morning. Sanctions, so. sanctions lifted. On, yeah. Uh, well, on that's a wait, wait and see. Uh, and Echo. First of all, my first thoughts about this is there are no surprises in that group. There is not no. one of them who I thought, oh, yeah, wow, I can't believe you haven't pick swapped yet. Mm, uh, yeah. Norman, first take. Oh, look, well, th- there's a lot of takeaways from this, isn't there? You, so you've got Prez and uh, Echo, who are you know, B-graders, uh, <laughs> who are, who are, you know, they're playing a upper weight division at the moment. 
uh, no flags between the two of them. <laughs> so that's uh, that sort of makes sense. Um, Regan Mastrangelo <laughs> just thinks he's a little bit smarter than the rest of us. So no pick swaps there. Who else do we have? Uh, Dean, Doug, Jono, Prez, Schmidt, Glenn. So Dean and Doug, one person. Um, <laughs> And Schmidt, I think Schmidt is keen. He just hasn't got quite what he's wanted yet. So I, I wouldn't maybe put him in full yellow yeah. uh, just yet. He's more of a, yeah, I guess like a pale yellow kind of, mm, kind yeah. of tone. I, I think, yeah, from all, from all reports, he's, yeah, you know, he's open and, and, you know, open to engaging in trade discussions. Yeah. Whereas, you know, some of the others, and I'm sure you'll have, you'll have found this as well, it's just been a, a flat no well, uh, I, to any sort of deal that's been offered. Well, I'll, I'll add to that. I don't mind sharing my uh, my trade conversation, my pick swap conversations with some people. So I've dealt with pretty much all of these. Uh, Regan, to his credit, did entertain um, a few negotiation messages, but uh, <laughs> when he when he submitted me the counter offer, that would <laughs> would absolutely destroy my season. <laughs> I thought, yeah, we probably we probably wouldn't do that. Uh, Doug is, uh, and I'm going on record here, needs to learn uh, how to negotiate and trade. Oh. Otherwise, he will fail in this league. Absolutely. Uh, Doug, you'll be listening to this. I'm well aware. You need to, um, I guess, either tell us no from the get-go, not seem interested, and then go, nah, I'm okay. I think I'll just keep things. Because if that's the case and you do that all year, I can guarantee you, you will fail in this league. It's a stern warning, Dylan, and I'm glad that you said that because I, I had this conversation with Doug uh, briefly as well that uh, the art of the deal is, <laughs> is a big part of the, the AAAFL. Uh, you must engage. Well, yeah, because in a second we're going to go through the 2023 draft analysis and you can see that uh, a couple of successful teams in there had stinking drafts but were able to free agent and trade their way out of it. So you need to have that uh, negotiation aspect to your game. Yeah, and I think um, you know the number the number was 10, wasn't it, of non-trading yeah. cowards? Yeah, so you know, I think... You know, what it really shows is you know a lack of desire to you know really commit to improving your team mm. before you've even drafted it, which yeah. which is a necessary ingredient, I think. Mm. Jono, <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about Michael Johnson. Jono, I've messaged a few times, and to his credit. <laughs> He tells you no, so you know where you stand immediately. But it's just the fact that he doesn't want to even <laughs> doesn't even want to begin to like to, I guess begin to enter the world of pick negotiations well, just because can, of what may happen. Yeah, well, you can feel the fear through the messenger <laughs> screen. That's uh, that's now, now, Jay. You lived with with Jono for a few years. I just have a couple of questions for you. Yeah, yeah. So, when there was a spider, did you have to look after it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a second question: Does he sleep with the lights on? <laughs> Um, well, no, he, he never did sleep with the lights on, um, but I think he's sleeping with the lights on currently. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it would be my uh, would, would be my thought on the uh, on the matter. Um, you know, I, I even offered him pick three for pick six straight up, and he said no. So <laughs> it was too risky. <laughs> too risky. I can't do that. Um, Schmidt's the other one. I do feel a bit bad for Schmidt because I think you're right. He is open to trades. He doesn't want to go out of his way to. I guess instigate them. I did leave him a little bit hanging. I threw out not a, a firm offer. I've got the video. Oh, sorry, I've got the uh, text messages to prove it. But just a hey, what do you think about this in general? And he was quite keen on it. And then I bailed on him. So I have to admit there was a certain element where um, you know Schmidt might be unlucky in pick swapping. But um, yeah, that, that's all I could say about Schmidt. Anybody else had an experience with him? Yeah, I've actually. Well, 
just remembered actually that I gave him one on uh, an offer on Friday night, I think, and he said he was out and he'll get back to me, and that's still sitting there. <laughs> so that's uh, James okay. Davies' level. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll level, talk about yes. James Davies very shortly. Um, and then I guess the last two we can group together because they are just very anti pick swapping, and that is. Prez and Echo. Echo surprises me because he did pick swap last year. I look back on his 2023 draft hand and he kept his first round and got rid of his second and third and then banked up middle picks or something like that. Um, and he had a relatively successful year, so that does surprise me. Well, to, to be fair, I mean, he's probably hasn't paid his internet bill or something like that, <laughs> given his financial uh, situation. So it, it possibly he hasn't had the opportunity to get online. Well, and the interesting thing about that is, and maybe he hasn't realised yet, that uh, he could sell his picks um, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to uh, you know, sort of get Echo, uh, was it Echo Broker or Echo Bet yeah. out, yeah. <laughs> out of administration. <laughs> so, no, we just to put food on the table. Yeah, <laughs> like Echo, if you're listening, I, I'm, I'd be pretty keen on your first pick, so let's talk. <laughs> The one I'm most surprised about, not because he, uh, I don't think he's ever done a pick swap, or if he has, it's been very minor in the past, and that's Jared Presbury. But the reason why I'm so shocked about Presbury is because he has been so confident in the group chat that we're all idiots for pick swapping. And he sits there with his grand total of zero premierships. uh, (laughs) And, uh, well, we're all pick swappers here. We're all uh, flag winners, I'd say. I'm not saying there's a direct correlation, but I think there's, you know, some sort of causation there. No, sorry, that's the other way around. There's there's certainly a relationship between... um, Cowardice and, <laughs> and not winning flags, I feel. Um, anything else to say about the yellow cohort before we move into the ones you have traded? Yeah, I think, you know, just to really, you know, sit back and take stock and reflect on their actions so far <laughs> and, and, you know, really, really kind of determine whether, you know, are you in it to win it? Are you in it to make up the numbers? Because, mm. you know, this is, is a critical time to try and improve your, uh, your hand and it mm. can make all the difference at the uh, end of the year. All right, let's talk about the ones you have traded. So I'm going to read you the list of, uh, well, just absolute fantastic negotiator, <laughs> just fantastic people. Uh, JR, you are on that list. Uh, Stasi Dimku, James Davies, uh, John, B-Will, Norman, Grady, Brent, myself, and Leachy. So I think we're going to categorize this. We were thinking about doing a power rankings of sort of best to worst, worst to best to deal with, but I think it's just better to separate them into probably two categories. Good. Actually, maybe three. Good, bad, and eh, whatever. Indifferent, I indifferent. believe, is the word you're looking for. So yeah. let's start with the indifferent. Let's just move a few to the side there, or even just probably probably one. Um, I'm going to move Brent to the side because he has... You made the point before, Jay. He could possibly be on the cowardly side, but I'm going to give him a pass. This is his first year back in the quadruple AFL. I think he really needs to just focus on knowing the players in the draft. He's made one swap with Grady where he just swapped his hand all together, and I think that's okay for him at this stage. Would you describe him as overwhelmed? Uh, yes. <laughs> I've been trying to test him throughout the last couple of weeks of, okay, you have picked this. Who are you considering around the mark? He hasn't been too bad. I fear when he gets to the 150s and beyond. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think like the cam potato bake, you know, the level of uh, depth is probably where, where Brian's at. But that's okay. I mean, you're right. It is his first year back in the, in the kitchen. So he, he might get there. All right, so maybe what we'll do is we'll just go through each person and say good or bad to deal with and what, what our uh, perspectives are. So we have to do ourselves as well. JR? Oh, look, I, I think I've been pretty good to deal with. I think I've got three deals done total. So, mm. yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like I've been pretty reasonable. We haven't got one off, but 
the negotiation has been fine. I feel yeah. like I feel like it's been pretty friendly. Yeah, we'll walk away. I feel like we've been close, not yeah. quite there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel the same. We, we, with you and you and I, we we nearly got to a couple. Yeah, not quite. So no, you've been very good to deal with. I feel. Yeah. I feel like we should get ours out of the way because I reckon there's probably a little bit of uh, angst between you and I, Norman. So <laughs> let, let's do hey, not for me. <laughs> let's do Norman and Dylan together uh, as a, as a cohort. So Jr., what's your perception of dealing with both of us? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've got a deal done with Norman. So mm. I mean, I, I, you know, just by virtue of that, probably he's above you for me. But um, that's fine. Yeah, no, but, I don't care. No, I think I think <laughs> I don't, don't like dealing with you anyway. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, overall negotiations have been pretty friendly from my perspective with both of you, but that mm. doesn't sound like it's the case uh, between you two. Well, not really. I mean, it, it's been fine. I mean, this week there's been a bit of tension. Um, we've been trying to get one off for, I reckon, a good part of a week now. Yeah, yeah um, sometime. But before that, last weekend, we were on fire. We got two deals done within the space of two hours and it was very quick fire. That is, that is true. I actually kind of forgot that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been a long time. <laughs> was there a reason why that wasn't one deal as a as an overall? I can't remember the exact specifics that were in it, but... I think we just thought about it after. I think we were focusing yeah. on one end and then we went, oh, now we got this end. And I'm like, oh, that'll yeah, so work. So it was a missed opportunity to make it a mega deal, a mega deal yeah. which, which is you know the holy grail of pick swapping mm. is to get it into that mega deal category. But I, I think, to be fair, Norman's pretty fair to deal with for the most part. We're at a sticking point at the moment, but that's what negotiation is. It hasn't got nasty. You haven't left me on red. You haven't uh, had to go to a team's meeting for the last 72 hours. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you're fine. So the doors are still open yeah. is, is what yeah. we're saying, yeah. Oh, look, I feel that we get along well because, or certainly our conversations go for a while because we engage in negotiation. Mm. There's a, you know, an offer. Because everyone goes into the first um, the conversation around a trade on their side, if that makes sense, you know, looking to, to have yeah you know, maybe a little bit of a win and just see what you can get away with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when we, when there's a, a counter offer, the, the the conversation begins. I, you know, I feel like that's a good starting point and something that counter some of the other, counter offers are crucial. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's something that uh, Dougie, if you're listening, which you are. Yep. That's something you can have a look at. Uh, feel free to come talk to me about it. <laughs> but, but yeah. Oh, and um, I guess you know this might be sort of getting ahead and jumping into the list, but just while we were you know discussing counter offers. Um, this is a man who's been incredibly good to deal with, um, but does not engage in any sort of counter offer, and that is John. Yeah, well, we'll skip ahead to John. I think I was going to do John next, and then we'll, we'll go to a meaty one after that. <laughs> um, John, yeah, I, I've had nothing but. I mean, I could say good luck with him because he's accepted the deal that I uh, sent to him. But I actually sent him another one or two, and he said no, and that's fine. Tell me where I stand. If yeah. you if you're not interested, that's all good. But yeah, John's either a yes or a no. I did say it might take a few hours for him to get back to you, and you might get the reply at like two a.m. But, uh, but outside of that, he's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I submitted one to him. Yeah, I guess a couple of weeks ago, and you know, was probably trying it on a little bit. Uh, and I just got a simple nah, man. <laughs> that, was all I that is very John. Yeah. Nah, man. Yeah. yeah. No, I, my experience with John has been the same. I'd I, I call it efficient. You know, it yeah. is. It's just yeah, you're exactly right. You know where you stand. You know that quickly, which is uh, a far cry from some others. <laughs> all right, let's talk about those others. Oh. Um, let's talk about those others. It is James Davies. Oh. Now. Oh, there's, there's a lot of places we could begin here. If we were doing the power rankings of best to worst, I would be putting him as the worst. Would anybody else agree with that? Or do you think there's worse candidates out there than him? No, I think he would be the worst mm. in terms of the amount of resources he uses of you. Um, <laughs> the, the, the term time sponge, <laughs> I think, fits here. Um, 
Now, look, James, I'm sure you'll be listening. I know you've got kids. I know you've got a job. I've got a job too. <laughs> okay. You don't. You are not that busy. You are not that busy. <laughs> so, hurry up. Get back to us. Well, he's recently started a new position, and uh, I think that's taking up a bit of his mental energy. But does it take up the mental energy of uh, sending a message on Monday and then uh, having to follow up on Friday morning to get an answer to that <laughs> original <laughs> message. I don't know, personally. I, I've probably got to take a bit of a counter position here and, and defend James Davies, which I don't think is anything that anyone's accustomed to doing frequently. But You're going to be wrong, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I've had nothing but uh, positive dealings and quick responses and... You know, it's all been very open and very friendly and you know we've got a deal done. So I've got to go into bat for him here and say he's been pretty good to deal with for me. Has that happened in the last week, out of curiosity? No, look, we got the deal done early. Mm. So Because in the last week, I feel like he's been a bit more responsive to messages because we've been brutally attacking him <laughs> in the group. <laughs> this is the best way to get results is just ridicule, isn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a lot of time to pick what with James Davies anymore. Although I will say, like I mentioned, he's gotten back to me in the last few times. But I do have to say it's almost like a pretend consideration. Like a, I have to consider this at the moment because otherwise uh, Dylan might <laughs> publicly air this laundry into the group. So, uh, and if that's a fear I instill in people, that's fine. <laughs> I was going to touch on a really quick one now because I, I don't think outside of JR you've had any um, negotiation with him. But Stasi, I threw out a couple to him. It was a firm no to start with. That's fine. JR, you ended up trading the number one pick to him. I did, yeah. No, it all sort of happened very quickly. I was looking to trade down. I think he was looking to, uh, you know, lock in one of those rucks and mm. he was pretty keen to go up and pay the price that I was looking for. So, yeah, it all got done pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, we had a little bit of a negotiation for some picks in the mid-100s, um, sort of like 150-ish sort of picks. And um, uh, we did get close. He actually was pretty keen on the offer. In fact, I think he said deal. Oh! <laughs> but uh, I... I ended up uh, doing a different deal, I think, with Grady. Um, but um, well, that's another conversation yeah, as well. Conversation, <laughs> but you know, and just for the record, for everyone, that uh, the handbook says that a deal is done when two handshake emojis are mm. sent. So just keep that in mind for trades this year. Yep, hundred um, percent. Well, maybe another really quick one uh, because we have a few meaty ones after that. Adam Leach, you got. I think that was the first trade you got off. Uh, I, so long ago, I can so long remember ago. it. But Leachy, he had. A, and has a clear strategy in mind, uh, which I appreciate. And I, I like his um, his thinking this year. And I hope that he provides his own uh, internet at the draft day so that he can make that happen. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I found Litchie pretty good and very responsive. He, In fact, this is how responsive he is. He was at Matchbox 20. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, he sent sent me back. I think he sent me a counter offer. <laughs> after a bit more discussion, he said, oh, "Look, mate, I'll have to message you back tomorrow." And I said, "Oh, what are you doing?" He's like, "I'm at the concert." <laughs> and I was like, "Mate, thank you for getting back to me." So <laughs> that's the level of dedication that he has. Take note, James Davies. Yeah, there's there's some lessons in that for everyone else. Yeah, literally, I think uh, yeah, haven't been able to find any common ground, but mm. you know, he's been pretty you know firm in kind of what his approach is. So I, I can respect that. All right. I'm going to throw over to you for this one, Norman. You can kick us off because you had some opinions on um, Grady Hud, uh, who <laughs> I'll just preface this by saying that he entered the pick swap uh, era of saying, or by saying, that I will not be swapping picks whatsoever. Uh, and for the first three or four days, it was just a firm no. And I was like, okay, if that's your strategy, no worries. But then, Norman, you had a bit of a different interaction with him. Oh, no, he, he was 
adamant that he was not going to be trading picks <laughs> and then did. <laughs> and not just, just a couple of picks, his entire hand. <laughs> Inside the first like couple days. Yeah, and of course, like I've just called him yeah, Pinocchio, which I think is known as yeah, it is. in the group yeah. chat. Because, Text um, Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah, just, just lies. Um, and then I've since got a trade-off with him as well. It's <laughs> 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 the full spectrum uh, from Grady. So, look, I like that he's probably recognised that he was a coward uh, and that he, you, know, you mm. do need to uh, involve yourself in, in these um, conversations um, to, to be successful. I don't appreciate He did send me back a list of rules for the 2024 season that he has on himself. And like rule number two or three is don't trade with me. So <laughs> uh, I don't think I'll be getting one off for a little while with him, but uh, we'll see how we go. Well, yeah, and I can. I actually went to Grady in, in my frustrations in the first couple of days of not getting off the deals that I, I wanted to. And it's, I actually said to him, you know, you know I guess a, sort of... A, you know, a bit of a rage of frustration. <laughs> You've got the right idea. This is bullshit. Like, no, nah, I'm staying with my picks as well this year. And then I've since done three and he's done a couple of trades. So we've, yeah, we've both, uh, both gone away from, from that strategy. Last one that we'll deal with and we'll move on to the next segment is um, probably outside of maybe Leachy, probably our favourite collective member of the Quadruple AFL and that is Bradley Williams. You, just, you, you can't dislike the man. Until you start negotiating things with him. <laughs> um, who wants to kick us off with their experiences with uh, B-Will? Look, I mean, I guess you're both looking at me. As I've, been, <laughs> I've been quite vocal and I've, you know, I guess been frustrated in, in my attempts to, <laughs> to do deals. And, and it's not so much a frustration of, you know, having those deals rejected. It's, it's more a frustration of, uh, you know, yep. No, I'm happy to, yeah, let's talk pick trades tonight. <laughs> and then you go back and you're like, hey man, like, you ready to talk pick trades? And then nothing. Oh. Nothing. And then you speak to him the next day. He's like, yep, you know, just in Perth at the moment. Yeah, wait, once I've done my drive, I have plenty of time for discussions about pick trading. Try it later that night. Nothing. <laughs> So I, I, I found him incredibly frustrating to uh, get a straight answer out of. Oh, Beewill. Yeah, I would say like, Beewill is the, the physical embodiment of, of blue balls. <laughs> like, it gets you a little bit excited. Oh, yeah, mate. Yeah. Oh, that, sounds, that sounds pretty good. I'll have a look at it later. Yeah. Uh, and then it never really happens. And then you, you have to start the conversation again. So, yeah, he's a bit of a tease, old Beewill. I wonder if it's because he's such a nice guy that he feels bad just saying no straight up mm. and he wants to sort of let you down easy but I'd rather be let down as hard as possible <laughs> and just get it over with rip the band-aid off as Don't we were ghost talking about before <laughs> yeah no ghosting no blue balls just yeah Babel is the master of uh, distraction as well where, like, <laughs> you start talking about something and go, like, like, let's for example say oh, we'll say pick 31 is involved in the trade then it's Oh, gee, who might go at 31? And then you might mention a name. Then we start talking about that. Like, Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at least yours was on topic. Mine was about the uh, landmarks of Perth. Basil's in Palace. Yeah, wow, exactly. Uh, B, you're on notice. The rest of the league, you're also on notice. And Glenn, uh, you're embargo. Also on notice. Yeah, your embargo <laughs> ends, well, tomorrow night. We're recording the podcast. Hopefully, it'll be up by tomorrow night as well. So, uh, your embargo ends Monday at 5pm and you will be entering peak negotiations for about a week and a half. You are on notice to see how you act uh, and get back to people appropriately. Uh, we're going to take another break and we'll come back and we'll review the 2023 draft to see where everybody went wrong. 
got a little treat for the quadruple AFL community, and we're going back probably exactly 12 months now, uh, pretty close to it, uh, where we entered the 2023 uh, quadruple AFL draft day, uh, doe-eyed, full of, uh, <laughs> full of excitement, ready to start the year. Only for it to be crushed for a lot of people. Uh, hope was the theme of the season. Hope, it was. Yeah. And in the, in the end, it was the uh, the hope that kills you, uh, which is... Uh, hope yeah. turned to despair. It was, <laughs> that was the tagline for last year. What's our tagline this year? Something about redemption. Uh, redemption, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for a number of blokes who uh, had poor years last year. Or, or yeah, a couple of poor years in your case, JR. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to go back through. And uh, Lachlan Norman, who is our... Uh, uh, data analyst of the Quadruple uh, AFL. We have started an off branch where we uh, we employ people of uh, I guess higher intelligence to uh, to, <laughs> <laughs> to um, you know do do the really nitty gritty work of um, analysing where people went wrong, where people went right. Has uh, produced a spreadsheet of um, epic proportions where he's actually uh, managed to find a formula that uh, quantifies whether your pick was good or bad depending on where, where it landed. Norman, I've done a really layman's version of uh, explaining that. Could you, I guess, go into a bit more detail for me? Oh, look, so essentially what I have done for the last couple of years is um, break averages into sort of uh, five-point bands. So, you know, 110, 105, 100, that sort of thing. You've really lost a few of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, that, that's a lot of numbers for some of you. So, Alicia, I'll slow right down. Um, but essentially, when you look back on the last three years... Um, the same number of players fall in the same number of bands, if that makes sense. So like uh, 31 players fall within the 100 to 105 band, for example. And that happens consistently over, over multiple years of fantasy. So you can actually kind of work out how many players will, um, will average a certain amount of points. Sorry, I just need to check you on something leech is good with numbers not good with words so oh, uh, yeah, right. yeah yeah sorry sorry, sorry. So it's not this yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's got. yeah yeah no, all good no problem um so what we've done is we've gone through the draft of last year and we've looked at who took who where what they should have averaged if you took them at that pick and then what they ended up averaging and from that you can determine whether it was a amazing pick uh a, a decent pick Sort of a pick you got right, a little bit of a miss, or it was absolutely shit out. Um, <laughs> and so the treat for you today is we're going to have a look at who was absolutely shit out <laughs> and who had a, had a good draft. And I'm sure uh, that some when we say shit drafts, there'll be at least one name that comes to mind, but surprisingly a couple of others as well, as we'll find. Well... Let's just go straight into that. Um, that name uh, for everybody who remembers the draft from last year where he was drafting under duress was uh, James Davies. We might break his down a little bit later because there's a few other interesting ones, probably more interesting than even James Davies. I think that's common knowledge now. We know that he had a stinker and that's fine. Um, there's only so many fill effects you can add to that draft. <laughs> <laughs> Norman, do you want to kick off with, I guess, who had the best draft? Uh, or do you want to kick off with who had the stinkers? Uh, well, I can start with who had, who had the best draft. Let's, let's start on the positive. Yeah, let's do that. Work our way down the hole. Um, the negatives are much more funnier. They are, they are. And uh, look, it, it does pain me to say this, but statistically, Regan Mastrangelo mm. had the best draft by, by probably a margin mm. uh, last year. So I'll just talk you through some of his picks. So he's gone uh, Petrarca, Pelly at 19, Sicily at 22, Caleb Daniel at 75, Jeremy Cameron at 78, Rowbottom at 83, Akers at 110, uh, Stephen May at 142, Finn Callahan at 147, Brennan Cox at 174, Naziah. Naziah at 179, wow. 
Jesse Hogan at 206. Neil Bullen, who averaged about, uh, I think, high, mid to high 70s um, at 211. And then he's picked his Ruckman up, Sherry, who, which would have been an amazing pick had the injury not happened yeah. at 243. Uh, so he's done really well uh, in this draft. Well, so I guess the only question remains is, why didn't he win? Oh. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have a theory on that. And I think this will be a, a theme throughout this uh, analysis is those who draft well may not necessarily negotiate well and you mm. need a combination of the two. It's like the uh, the Venn diagram. You have good drafters, <laughs> good traders, premiers in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be right there. I think, look, I mean, looking at his side there, not a lot changed uh, throughout the year. He drafted and that's that's kind of how it stayed. And there were a couple of misses in there. Um, and, and probably not bad misses. I think calculated risk from Regan, which probably sums him up as a person, I think. Um, like Finn McGuinness at 307. Yeah, but that's a late pick. That's fine. Mm. You know, whatever. Um, Ruben Jinby at 238. You'd probably go, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't too much that he did wrong. But um, yeah, I think I think uh, maybe well, there were some injuries. I actually don't know. I don't know what went wrong. He maybe. was, that was the other thing as well. He was absolutely kissed. It was Cherry, basically his only injury throughout the entire year. And that was only for what, six, <laughs> seven right. weeks. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was it. So maybe that also factors into it. Maybe give us maybe give us one more positive and then let's get stuck into the negatives. Uh, the positive. The other one was probably, and I feel sorry for this guy, um, Stasi Dimku. No, I don't. But yeah, go on. No, I, I, <laughs> that is absolute lip service. I do not. <laughs> but so I think we saw towards the end of last season that it all sort of come together for Stasi. But the damage, I think you said in the break, JR, the damage was done by that point. So Stasi's draft, he's got lead, gone. He's made a little bit of a miss with uh, Georgie Hewitt, who, who averaged okay, but was just inconsistently in the side. Carl Amon, uh, Liam Duggan t- at uh, 98. Tim mm. Kelly at 111. Dusty Martin, who ended up averaging 90-odd at 127. Uh, Brody Smith at 150. Uh, Brad Hill, who was a, a really handy DPP for him. Uh, defender Ford at 162. Papley, who uh, had a reasonable year, 171. Uh, Ollie Florin, who had a... a Quite a nice patch uh, when he needed it, but um, going through like uh, Callum Ward at two fifty eight, who I guess probably was inconsistent as well, but averaged quite well when he played. Uh, Jamie Cripps later on, so like really his top end stuff was was excellent, uh, and those injuries, particularly that one to Gorn and, and I guess led his slow start, probably didn't help him. I guess there's pro- there was probably a bit of room at the back end of his draft to maybe you know speculate more a fraction. I feel like. There was probably some some points there to, to be gained at the back end, but that top end, other than uh, Georgie Hewitt, pretty good. Um, and it was really only the injury that set him back. I think what we need to do before we get into the negatives as well is probably just do a quick 30-second synopsis on our draft just so we, we can at least <laughs> give you know some sort of service uh, and we're not just throwing shade uh, at everybody else. So, Norman, do you want to take us through yours, mine and JR's? I can. <laughs> Who wants to start? Um, get mine out of the way first. Yeah, go JR. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> right. high, high variance is the uh, yeah. term that comes to mind here. So, JR traditionally has been a speculative drafter <laughs> and this was no no difference so Dunkley at one which was the mid forward it was not a bad option he, and he did average I think 105 overall yeah it was so fine. that was fine uh, Rowan Marshall at 18 was a great pick uh, you know he would come into that draft uh, averaging 95 and finished on oh, 120 God, so three, that's a round three and four <laughs> yeah go, it goes down here from there <laughs> <laughs> and rapidly yeah. so we've got Isaac Cumming at 47 <laughs> who I, I don't I think he was FA by the end right 
Uh, traded him to B-Will. B-Will might have had him by the end, but he may have dumped him. So. Yeah, yeah. Barely averaged a fieldable score. And then... <laughs> 69, Sam Berry. Oof. Oh. Reached massively. Oh, I, yeah. I have to go into bat for you slightly here. There is, like, from all... All accounts heading into the 2023 season, that should not have been a bad pick he at that stage. He finished like the year before, averaging sort of 100, 100 at the back end. but Tackle it, machine, it, like firmly in the team. Yeah. I could see, yeah. <laughs> look, I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> just for, for the listeners there, just looking at JR's face. <laughs> on that was, uh, we really need to get a camera and put this on YouTube yeah. or something. <laughs> but see, I mean, yeah, you're right. You come in averaging 86.3 and you go, oh, another year in... Uh, and you would have felt that it was a decent pick. You, yeah. you probably did, even though... I would have thought in, in the 90, mid-90s yeah. was sort of what I was hoping for. So so that was a bit of a, a, bit of a miss there. <laughs> uh, and the Matt Crouch at 133. Yeah. <laughs> and held him all yeah. year. Yeah. I think that actually there was a... Let's keep going, actually. Oh, no, there, there was a patch after that that was even worse. So we got Jack Scrimshaw, who... Didn't play round one. Didn't play round one <laughs> at 156. Harry Schoenberg, who was spending far too much time at the company, <laughs> 165. Darcy Fogarty, who averaged... Uh, I think he finished slowly, didn't he? Yeah, he was all right to start, but yeah, went downhill right. Yeah. <laughs> Elijah. <laughs> Elijah Hollands. This um, is a fucking keeper team. I've told you this a million times, but you're playing the wrong league. Uh, Win Hager at 220, which, yeah, a year too early. Cam McKenzie at 229, a year too early. Uh, Sam Darcy, 252. <laughs> Probably three years too early. But then. But then. But then. <laughs> uh, these are some amazing picks, actually, at the back end here. Jaden Hunter, 261, who averaged nearly 80, I think. He might have been even higher. No, it was higher. Yeah, higher, yeah, higher yeah. Yeah. As a DPP. Then, pro- I think, personally, the pick of the draft, mm. um, Harry Sheasel at 284. 284. That is nuts. A captain option at 284 is, is as good as it gets. Yeah. Unfortunately, the damage had been done by the previous 10 rounds. So. <laughs> <laughs> he could not mitigate no. anything Sam Berry did to your team. <laughs> no. And then let's, let's turn to Dylan. Oh, no. Now, his, his draft looks nothing like his premiership side. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a bit hard to yeah, tell. Just a fun fact. We drafted on that Sunday afternoon. I think it finished around 2.33 p.m. And I already made a trade by 5 p.m. So... <laughs> So you started off well. Brayshaw uh, took would have been a fantastic pick had the injury not happened. And Dawson, uh, Brayshaw, Brayshaw Miller, Dawson to start off with. And then you also went uh, pick seventy seven. You Jack Viney, one hundred one average Jack Viney. You built a. But much like JR, it went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's these middle. This is great knowledge for my current draft because I'm going to try and get out of these rounds <laughs> very quick. So at pick ninety five, he's taken uh, Jack Bowes. <laughs> we had all the promise in the world uh, and didn't deliver. And then Braden Bruce, who had just broken someone's spine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then broken his own spine the next week. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Oh, I, I mean, even looking at this name hurts me. Ooh, yeah. Aaron Hall. Oh. At 116. Um, Charlie Kernow at 126 was a great pick. Mm, thank uh, you. As a forward. Ed Langdon. Ugh. Thank uh, you. Ryan Burton, who was trash. Sam Taylor, who missed a lot of footy, I feel. Yeah, yeah. He, he was injured the first part. Uh, Xavier Dersma at 214. I mean, at that stage, that's probably not horrendous. Um, Chad Wingard is horrendous, however. <laughs> 233. Uh, Lance Franklin. Horrendous. Horrendous. I love that when this one came up, you didn't even remember that you drafted Franklin. Nah, like, nah. He was like, who? Lance? <laughs> like, no, yeah, Marie Franklin. Franklin. Like, yeah. 
And really, like, we could go on. Like, the James Jordan probably was not a bad pick at 262, but just didn't play enough footy. Probably your only redeeming pick for the rest of it was Rochelle at 265, mm. but even that, not fantastic. I guess this goes to prove the... Uh, you probably need three things. Probably the, the Venn diagram is actually three circles. And it's uh, trading, it's somewhat of a draft, and it's luck. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I also think there's something to be said there. Obviously, you built the majority of your team, I would say, through uh, the trading mm. mechanism. But you did nail those first three picks for the most part, which did give you valuable to. trade options yeah, to, uh, to improve the rest of the team. So there's definitely something in that. Norman... Um, yeah, look give me at, a quick review of yours. <laughs> <laughs> looking at my draft, it's very clear where I went wrong, and it was pick one with um. <laughs> I remember you at the time. You told me in the lead up, like I'm hoping. What did you have? Seven pick seven. Uh, nine. Pick nine. You're like, I'm hoping Callum Mills gets a nine. I thought, why? <laughs> so I didn't tell you not to. But <laughs> well, I was a bit rattled because I I had pick three and I traded back to nine because I wanted Taranto, and I didn't think that Taranto would go quite so early, mm. and he ended up going at pick eight. To fucking Jono, <laughs> who wasted it. Um, and so then I had a bit of a panic. I had Merritt and Mills in front of me, and I picked wrong. Um, but the rest of my draft is actually pretty decent until... So I've got uh, Whitfield was good. Parker was pretty good at 60. Probably reached a bit for Andrew McGrath at 62. Charlie Constable. <laughs> yeah, Sean Darcy, who <laughs> was great until he wasn't at 67. Josh Dacos, 94, was a good pick. Then, yeah, Tanner Brune at 182. Miles Bergman at 190. Ooh, Charlie yeah. Constable, Tom Powell. Uh, Lewis Young. Oh, it all get, yeah, it gets a bit gnarly. gets a bit gnarly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, so we've analysed our team. We're on record. Now that gives us permission to go hard at uh, everybody else who had an incredibly poor draft. So, Norman, just tell me. Who do you want to go after first? Well, if we... Oh, I want to go after so many. <laughs> but, uh, look, everyone sort of knows about James Davies' draft. But again, he, oh, he traded his way out of it, to be fair. Um, and free agents. He was a free agent guy. Yeah. yeah. So he's picked a couple of guys like Lockie Neal and uh, Josh Kelly at 10 and 16, which aren't great. Didn't perform that well. Could have done better there. Uh, Taylor Adams at 74. I think someone will reach for him again this year. But he did do some uh, decent picks like uh, Luke Jackson at 87 was not bad. Um, looking through it, James H was all right. Sam Flanders, <laughs> Sam Flanders, who he just mistimed. Oh, uh, wow. 183. But then there's some stinkers in there. So Jaden Stevenson, uh, Dylan Stevens, his boy, Camden McIntosh, <laughs> Walters, uh, Lockie Bramble, guys that just Ooh. didn't get on the park. So he did well to trade his way out of it. But we, we do know that there is, there's a couple of um, things wrong for James. It was obviously the, the duress of, <laughs> of, of all those missiles <laughs> flying around him. Up there as, as he was drafting, um, I'm sure all the explosions would put anyone off. <laughs> Do you think he spent more time on the highlighters themselves than the actual highlighting of the draft picks? Because that was a concern. He he just had just an abundance of office work stationery. <laughs> I feel like it's caused cog overload, which therefore yes. yeah did not require oh the drafting get the attention it deserved. Yeah, and I think you know anyone can get bogged down in conditional formatting that <laughs> you know, if you're not if you're not really truly aware of of the power of uh of you know excel then mm. you know you can get bogged down in the uh in the functionality a little bit so i think you've got to cut him a break and that, hopefully he comes back next that year. could be the next faction actually we've, we've kind of broken off this year i think you tried to make dads versus non-dads a thing i don't think it's really <laughs> taking off maybe pick swappers versus non-pick swappers could also oh, be a thing yeah. but if not it could be xl users versus non-xl users because i reckon there's a few yeah. that are that are not using it and well, well, that'll show i actually feel like 
I don't know, just off the top of my head, I feel like there could be a real like direct correlation between the lack of pick swapping and <laughs> the use of Excel uh, databases for uh, you know making you know, informed decisions. Now, just on this, now this is a revelation that uh, came to me just uh, just this week from James. Now, I'd love to know. You're, you're going to love this, Jay. Uh, uh, listeners will be interested to hear this. Now, James has contacted me, I think, uh, out of the blue. I don't think there was any um, preface to this conversation and, and told me that he figured out why he drafted so poorly. Okay. Okay. Well, we always thought. Well, we want to know. Yeah, yeah. We, we thought it was the, the duress of the situation and the location. But he has told me that he drafted using the 2022. Playlist. <laughs> <laughs> and now the thing about this, James has told me this as he's just realised that he did this. Now, at some point during that draft when Joel Selwood's name <laughs> was on the list, do you think he might have tweaked? Well, I don't and, know. Yeah, and I think well, he did He did tell me actually later on that day that he was very disappointed that Dane Swan had gone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Tom Rockcliffe is falling. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Bartlett, were you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I don't know. That, that's James' excuse. I'm not 100% sure I buy that. But uh, if, if, if true, um, don't make that mistake. <laughs> uh, that's ridiculous. Um, maybe we've got time for two more. Maybe highlight your top two or your bottom two uh, worst drafts. Okay, so I think the let's start with... Probably what, in hindsight, was the worst, actually worse than James Davies, and that was uh, our man, uh, Grady Hutt. The Hud. <laughs> the yes. The Hud. Let's, let's have a look at Grady Hutt's <laughs> front end of the... Can I, I'll, I'll just say something at the top of this as well. He has openly admitted that every draft he's gone, on to, uh, gone into, he's done limited preparation, and he said that was reflected last year. So he's aware that he has a poor draft, but he said that this year his the most prepared he's ever been. So it'll be interesting to compare this at the end of uh, this year compared to 2023. It will be. Uh, just, just a tip for you, Grady. Use this year's draft. <laughs> <laughs> Playlist. That may help. Quite this. an effective practice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this is fun. Uh, we've got pick 11 for Grady. Bailey Smith. Mm, so yeah. Got bevoed. Got bevoed. Um you also got Bailey Smith, I think. Yeah, yeah. A bit of both. Like a 75, am I right? Yeah, it wasn't high. Uh, Coming to the draft as a 106 average. So it's, it wasn't maybe horrendous, but uh, you've always got to be careful drafting dogs. Then it gets even more fun. We've got Cam Guthrie at 33. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so he played, what, three games, four games for the year. But... Um, he found a nice little um, <laughs> way to offload that for uh, for uh, Cogs, which ended up as the Ooh. the worst slash best trade of the yep. year. Congratulations, um, Will Brody at fifty one. <laughs> this is Sam Barry territory. There is no way that anybody. I, I've got to defend Grady here. You, you can't. You nobody could have expected. They just would not play a game all year. No, no, that's right. And he's coming to this uh, averaging ninety six. So Doesn't it scare the shit out of you that there are probably players oh, right now that will draft this year that are going to be in the exact same position as your Sam Berries yeah. and your Will Brodies and we just don't know. Yeah, the worst picks this year will again come from this like round three, round four. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to yeah. Yeah. There'll be two or three at least from oh, like, yeah. both rounds. It'll be very disappointing, I would Absolutely. Imagine. Yeah. I think Max Gorn could be one. <laughs> <laughs> For those listeners out there. Uh he did a, a Nice rock pick here with, with Nank, who came in at averaging 93.7 and ended up as, a, I think, a 110, a 111 Oof, uh, yeah. average. So that was a solid pick from Grady. Uh, Newcomb at 65 was all right. Traded him early. Then it gets 
bad again. Uh, we've got Elliot Yo at 82. And he just wouldn't let him go either. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tell Gordon. you what, though. <laughs> Elliot Yo this year. Yeah, what do you uh, <laughs> Training the house down. <laughs> I'd heard. Yeah. That, that's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Where Yoey goes this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Look, it won't be me. <laughs> it could be me. <laughs> Uh, Tommy Atkins was a, was a nice. He finished the year quite strongly, so that wasn't too bad. Harry McKay, oh god, terrible. Tom Hawkins, this gets bad here. Tom Hawkins at one forty six. Uh, Jack, Jack Graham, Graham at never, never do Jack Graham. <laughs> Brandon Parfit at one seventy eight. To be fair to Grady, you know how I mentioned a second ago that I traded within two hours. He actually fleeced me because I got Brandon Parfit in for Ed Langdon. Not that oh, that was like a, yes. a mega deal, but at least Langdon played. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now Bailey Scott was his two hundred seven. Now that that's a ripper. took a while to come good, but it come good very well uh, towards the end. I think Scott, I think he's looking his uh, he finished like a one ten average. Um, so I'm not sure if that will continue this year, but it certainly worked as he led into the finals. Toddy Marshall, the concussion king, yep. uh, two ten. Uh, we got Lewis, uh, sorry not Lewis Lockie Young from North Melbourne, who I don't know if he played anything. Uh, two forty two. Zach Fisher. 271, another one who didn't come good till late, but I think he was well traded. His boy, uh, Reese Stanley. <laughs> That's a good pick there. Yeah. Looking through some of these, like the averages kind of ended up okay, but they were just in and out. Uh, Fiorini, uh, Liam Shields. Yeah. Who he dropped mm. because he didn't play round one and then uh, became a door all year. So well done, Liam. Bailey Fritch uh, and Nathan Wilson to finish off. So yeah, it's pretty, particularly at that front end where you need to get him right. Uh, Grady's missed and missed big. You can't miss four out of your first five. Is... No. Well, you can if you then can trade your way out of it, as he was probably the best trader. I'd agree with that of, uh, of last year. So there is uh, there's a way out, but you'd prefer not to get into that situation. You got time for one more. You you have to carefully select. So this could be it might not be the worst draft, but you may just want to go after someone you don't like and just highlight their bad <laughs> pick. So it's over to you, Norman. This is your call. This is your baby. You can choose who you want to go through next, and maybe. You can tell me if this is impossible. Maybe you could uh, just even copy and paste uh, an individual person's picks over to them if they want to see it at a later date. I don't think you want to give access to the whole spreadsheet. Yeah, okay. I'll, well, I'll have a look at uh, a guy who I do like. So he's one of my favourites, but his draft has probably um, gone under the radar both at the time and, and in hindsight about how poor it was. Uh, so our man Bradley Williams, uh, the tease himself. He he knows he had a stinker. He He's quite aware of it. His Ooh. words were... Dylan, major. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you <laughs> Just uh, if you get those uh, five picks, mate, make sure you don't reach, okay? Just don't reach because that's what I did last year and, you know, it fucked me up. <laughs> it wasn't giving me Will Dave Aaron Hall or anything like that. <laughs> well, let's, let's have a look at uh, his draft. So uh, he took the bloke that I probably should have at nine. Uh, Zach Merritt. So that's a great pick. Yeah, good pick. A well good done. Pick. So that's a, he's, he's taking him at 13. Merritt, oh, every year, Merritt, just, mm. he's so unsexy. So he always mm. slips down to that 8, 9, 10 range. But he should probably go higher. Go higher. Well, he's ADP at the moment. Isn't it like 4? Or yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so good. Well deserved, that. Merritt. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's a decent pick. And I think uh, I think he traded him one at some point. But um, then it got bad. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> at 27, we've got Paddy Cripps. Oh, yuck. Who was terrible. Coming off a of Brownlow as well Coming the Brownlow. season before. And, and to be fair, a 104.5 average. Yeah. So, and like you said before, that makes you think about who are the guys coming in with 105s and things like that who are going to end up shit out. Like, I think his, his average is 90. Yeah. yeah. It's a 15-point yeah. drop-off. Yeah. Uh, significant. At, so that was at 27. And then Ollie Wines, similar boat at 34. Uh, so he, he's gone, what, 75 
average or something like and that. And then out the, of the team. The yeah, Brownlow yeah. medalist the year before Cripper as well. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Beagle's obviously got a, a pattern there. Uh, his next pick was fantastic. Though. Yeah, Tommy Green. Tommy Green, uh, who came in averaging 86.3. I think everyone knew that he was going to break mm. out with Taranto and Hopper leaving. Uh, so that was a good pick at 38. Uh, then it got stinking again. <laughs> yeah. Stinking. Well, I feel like, can we just take stock here? After those first four picks, he would have been sitting there stoked. Yeah, <laughs> like, very happy absolutely boy. Absolutely yeah. stoked. Yeah. He's looked around the room. you got yeah. Norman sweating. The power board's <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the room just <laughs> sparking he's, up. He's banged right. like four, yeah. what he would have thought would yeah. be elite midfielders. Yeah. yeah. Then he's picked uh, Daniel Rich, who... <laughs> who came to me and then omitted himself from the side. <laughs> <laughs> I never got back in and then he was forced into retirement. I forgot about that. <laughs> Him and Gunston. And I'll try to think for uh, Andrew McGrath too. That was oh, rough. I'll tell you what, Jay. There was a few times in 2017 where I was hungover about to go play soccer that I wish I could omit myself oh, as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, how is that? It's basically like calling in sick for work. I'm not going to come in. But all year. Oh, does, all he year. Get pa- yeah. does he get paid? Yeah, presumably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pick 88. Pick 93 was Jaeger O'Meara. Nah. Was oh. Nope. Um, then Tom Lynch at 131 who didn't play at he all. played round one no yeah, yeah round one. one yeah he played, he played one and then, and then fractured copped foot it. or something yeah, like that yeah gone uh, so that was bad um, then we've got Will Day which was a, which is a fantastic piece so he came in averaging 64.3 mm. and he's picked him up at 148 and he's ended up absolutely breaking out but He's given him to me for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> was, who, was that for Aaron Hall? It was in a two-part deal, but it was, the second part wasn't much better. Uh, but yeah, eff- effectively, it was Aaron Hall for Will Day. <laughs> oh. uh, then James Harms at 163, who oh. was nah. just didn't didn't play. In and out the team, yeah. Um, Newman at uh, 173. That's a good pick. So that that's was a good, good pick, pick. But I think, so he came in averaging 81.5. So that was probably about right. I'm not sure that he really went crazy until the, the second late. half of the year. Yeah, it was late. Um, and he may well have passed him on by that stuff. I think John had him at one point. Yeah, maybe. Or even Stasi, possibly. Oh, um, yeah, Stasi did have him. Uh, Jamie Elliott at 180 was a bit of a meh. Um, Gordy Lyson at 198 was his ruck, uh, who, well, again, another bloke who was forced into retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Guthrie, not a bad pick. Lockie Weller and oh, Sam oh. Enagola is next to, who oh. just got nowhere near. Gunston. Gunston, who admitted himself from this. <laughs> <laughs> There's a theme here. There's a theme. Uh, Jarman Impey at 276 was great. Yeah, passed good. him on to me very early for um, Jake Saligo. Saligo trade, yeah, trade there. Um, Liam Henry was, was yeah. in, in the end, a good pick, but again, that was a second half of the year thing. Uh, Orazio Fantasia at 333. Did he play? No. No, not at all. I mean, it's finding your last pick to take a gamble. But yeah. like. And Conor McKenna at 340, which was probably not too bad. But That's pretty good. Yeah. So there's some real, real bad drafting in there. Um, and in the worst spots, like it was bad yeah. at the top and it was bad in that crucial 150 ish ish yeah. range there but so. looking at the top end it's like you would sit back after the draft and in fact I think we did and he was mm. one of the higher sort of over-unders that we set at you know a 14 15 wins type uh, benchmark so yeah it shows that it can go pear-shaped pretty quickly yeah and in, in unforeseen ways I yeah think, as well so look there's some lessons to be learnt for everyone to look back at their previous drafts and, and just see where they went wrong where they speculated too far um, and then make adjustments this year um, I think probably the number one tip however is pick this year's playlist <laughs> <laughs> and on that note we are going to leave for an ad break and we'll come back alright wrapping up 
Thank you to my two guests who have flown up here to Mount Barker for <laughs> for uh, their time, their efforts in uh, getting the podcast sorted for another week. JR, thank you. No, no worries. Pleasure to uh, be up here again, and um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. No worries. Norman, thank you. No worries. I think we're boarding in about 15. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no yeah. chance for the Qantas Club? No, I no, didn't get to this time. Yeah. No, that's all right. You are going to have to walk because Dave, the taxi driver, isn't available today. So, um, But <laughs> oh, we'll, no. we'll see what we can do here. Yeah. Um, our next pod will be in about two and a bit weeks and it will be our Over Under Bonanza. Probably the uh, most anticipated podcast of the year. It was quite popular uh, last year, but we might need to get Regan on again because he has uh, no shame in throwing shade at absolutely anybody <laughs> no, and everybody. None at all. None at all. And we did go after him a little bit today early on, so give him a chance write to reply. Write a reply. Yeah, yeah write a reply. Uh, so we'll be back with the Over Under Bonanza after our draft day, which is in two weeks' time. I'm excited. I'm sure everybody else in the community is excited, but also equal parts terrified after looking at that spreadsheet. Uh, boys, thank <laughs> yeah. you once again. <laughs> thank you once again, and we will see you next time.